Motion Picture, a podcast where two very underqualified men talk about sequels that don't exist. My name is Matt Hopkins. As always, I'm joined by my friend Michael Trinko. Hey, mate. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. We're doing a Christmas movie. We are. Yeah, yeah Love a, Actually. A first for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like everything else. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, Love Actually. So yeah. we just watched this. Um, what a film. What a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, it's it's definitely one of the well-known Christmas films. It is. Um, but as we found out uh, through some very cursory research, uh, a lot of mixed opinions out there about Love Actually. Isn't there? And I'm surprised because I I'm like I fucking hate most Christmas movies, <laughs> especially if they star Tim Allen. Oh, ooh. look, I love Tim Allen, but just don't. I'm. I just hate Tim Allen Christmas movies. Really? I don't know why. I I mean, just... Is he in many? I know he's in the Santa Claus. Yeah. And I mean, I don't. I remember liking the Santa Claus as a kid. He doesn't do the patented who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe you've just put the put the uh, put the child to rest, so yeah. to speak. Um, no, look, but I, I actually really enjoy uh, Love Actually as a Christmas movie. And I think maybe it's because my partner, Kristen, has to watch it every year at Christmas. So mm. I, maybe I just, I like it now because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's tradition now. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's part of the Christmas sort of, uh, yeah, Christmas spirit. you got to yeah. watch Love Actually. Uh, I've only recently, so obviously we watched it for, for this episode. But the first time I watched it, I think was like last year. Really? Or the year before? Oh, it was okay. with you guys. I yeah. watched it with you and Kristen. And um, in this time since the first viewing, I think I've seen it maybe three times. And <laughs> as we saw, like heard today, every single time we watch it, someone in the room says how much they hate <laughs> that one character. Uh, yeah, but we'll yeah. get to that a bit later on. Of but course. yeah, just something I noticed that happened again today. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, someone will point out something. It's a very intricate movie, I find. And someone will always point out, like, "Hey, I never noticed that before." And I even, like, I even I did it today. Yeah, I, I sort of did the same as well. I, I think it's easy to do because, to be perfectly honest, it's the sort of movie that you, you kind of like half watch. Mm, it's like yeah. a peripheral movie. Like it's just sort of on in the background. And you don't really pay attention to it. And there's so much shit going on. Yeah. That I think it's really easy to just be like, when, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I've never seen that before. Totally. Um, yeah, which which happened with me as well. That was a particular scene, but um, uh, yeah, give me a give me a synopsis. Yeah, what? So what we'll do is uh, our usual. So I'll give you the synopsis, and then uh, just you know, review for a friend, or you know, synopsis for a friend. Yeah, which has become yeah. my uh, one of my favorite sections, and I love it. Uh, so the synopsis for Love Actually is: Eight London couples try to deal with their relationships in different ways. Their tryst with love makes them discover how complicated relationships can be. Oh, yes. Oh, all right. Yeah. What a unique concept. How frightfully British. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very British. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, like a lot of mixed reviews and reactions to this film uh, ever since it like came out. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's still stuff being posted online in the review section and things like that by... Um, all manner of people, whether it be actual journalists reviewing the uh, the initial release or people reviewing it again, you know, however many years on, or sure. just your average Joe internet just having their two cents. Yeah, uh, Everyone's got something to say about this film. A lot of it was not flattering. Uh, the thing <laughs> that I found that I think kind of sums it up was, I believe it was from a, a, a review by The Guardian, which says, 
Ignore the sexism and stalking if you can, and revel in a world of palatial flats where everyone adores the Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah pretty okay. much to yeah. me, I read that and I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, everyone's house is somehow enormous. Yeah. Even if it's just a flat. Yeah. The Prime Minister is just universally loved, it seems. Oh, adored. I don't know, like, that, that part to me is... Yeah. So, the Prime Minister, if, if you haven't seen it, is, is played by uh, none other than uh, uh, Hugh Grant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's f- oh, just uh, frightfully charming as, I, as the Prime Minister. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He, he, I think that's the thing. He's charming. He is, yeah. He's, like, he's kind of awkwardly funny, but, like, you know, uh, there's, there is appeal to him. Like, I get why... You know, people in the, like the characters in the film like him. Yeah, but I got to say, I, even though Hugh Grant is in this film, I think the person who takes the you know uh, the the English card is actually Colin Firth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think he out Hugh Granted Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He plays the better Hugh Grant. That's right. Hugh yeah. Grant. Colin Firth stars as Hugh Grant <laughs> in Love Actually. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, I feel this one's going to be a tough one to summarize, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, yeah, it it really um, no one story plays out at one time. It kind of cuts back and forth between all of them. Um, so I feel like it's probably going to be easier if we just summarize each individual story, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good yeah. idea. I mean, uh, it's you know, it's not unusual, I guess, for stories to be cut up and you know intertwined and sure. things like that. But this really was. I mean, when we were watching it, we we're trying to take notes, and I was just like, fucking hell, like. If you know, it was it was actually a lot more difficult yeah. than I thought it was going to be. It's a real English breakfast, so to speak. Oh, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, look alive, Krinko. Let's do it. <laughs> um, all right. So what we'll do is we'll just go through uh, uh, the intro, and then we'll go through each of the you know love couples stories. Sure. Just a quick summary. Um, so we st- the film starts uh, with uh, the voice of David, who is Hugh Grant, mm-hmm. uh, the Prime Minister, uh, just commenting uh, commenting on uh, whenever he gets gloomy about the state of the world, he thinks about the arrivals terminal at Heathrow Airport, uh, and the pure, uncomplicated love uh, felt by all friends and family welcoming uh, you know ar- arriving loved ones uh, in, and and you know this obviously sets up the scene uh, for the end of the film as well. Uh, but basically, David's uh, point is, you know, to reflect on the fact that you know, love exists in many different sort of forms and ways, and and basically setting up the film as a, uh, you know, peeping Tom into the lives of, you know, several different relationships and couples and and stories of love and things yeah. like that. It's like a love vignettes sort yeah. of deal. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, perhaps surprisingly, we start off with the first story uh, of Billy Mack, played by Bill Nighy, mm-hmm. uh, and his long-suffering uh, manager, Joe, played by Gregor Fisher. Um, and and Bill, Billy Mack, so effectively is like this sort of rock and roll legend. Uh, we meet him uh, uh, recording a Christmas version of Love is All Around uh, by The Trogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps you may be aware of uh, or more familiar with the cover by Wet Wet Wet. <laughs> wet 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 Wet. <laughs> I for some reason I thought it was um, I thought it was Ronan Keating. I don't know why. Yeah, but you no know what? fucking idea why. When you said that, um, that made total sense to me, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I think you're right. It is Ronan Keating. Did and he do a version? Maybe not that I could find. Interesting. Um, but maybe he should. Yeah. Maybe this is his chance for a comeback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we want Ronan. Bring it home, Ronan. <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> yeah, dog. But uh, yeah, so basically, you know, uh, Billy Mack, who to me is kind of like the 
Jack's if Jack Sparrow was a pop star. Yeah, he's got the weird, awkward movements, doesn't he? Yeah, he does that. Which, um, which when I thought about it, I thought, oh yeah, it's, you know, he's Jack Sparrow if he pops up. But then I realized that that's basically just Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, more so, or less. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think his real world counterpart is? My mind went to um to Billy Idol. Oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, he could be, he could really be any British rock star. Yeah, I, I reckon he's a, he's a bitter. He's sort of like he's just definitely some like I reckon there's some Keith Richards in there for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, but he's kind of like a pop star meets the wardrobe of like Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a real interesting character, real funny. I mean, he's the sort of he's like the lightest. Uh, of all the storylines, I think. He, like, well, sorry, he's like he's definitely the most self-aware yeah. in terms of like this is a cheesy Christmas yeah. rom-com. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff he's, he says and does is mm. just like making fun of itself. Yeah, uh, which is great. It's really it's really sort of funny. But um, basically, you know, we follow uh, Billy through um, the movie. Uh, he's released this uh, the, the cover. Uh, he's wanting it. You know, he's doing like the tour. Uh, sorry, like the press uh, mm-hmm. circuit and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, hoping that it gets to number one, to be the number one single for Christmas. Um, it does. It reaches number one. Yeah. He gets invited to a, a house party hosted by Sir Elton John. Oh, the man. The the myth. Um, and then, uh, you know, then Billy realizes that Joe is actually in need of affection, his manager. Uh, and that, you know, him and uh, Joe are actually... You know, that's that's the relationship there. He has love for Joe, his manager. He's a yeah. long time, not just his manager, but his friend. Yes, and that's right. Know, and he comes back and he, he you know, ex- uh, tells Joe his true feelings and uh, they get drunk and watch porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, that was at least suggested, which is a weird thing to do with your friends, I feel. I mean, I guess it depends on your friendship, but... Yeah. I mean, we've never watched porn together. No, we haven't. No. We've gotten drunk together. Yeah, We've done times. half of that. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like the porn thing is like you, you, you do that individually. Yeah, save, yeah. save it for home time. That, save it yeah. for home time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very odd, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the you know crazy outgoing pop star that that's he is. Um, but no, he's a funny guy, and I think I like the bit where he's on. Um, he's on like a top of the pop style show with some young interviewers. He writes on a poster of a band called Blue, which yeah. is like a I guess a generic boy band but he writes a little speech bubble above them and then writes that uh was it we have we have little pricks or something yeah <laughs> yeah and then he says to the camera uh, kids don't do drugs become a pop star and they give them to you for free <laughs> right yeah perfect <laughs> great advice great christmas advice yeah. as well yeah. yeah um if anyone needs to be inspired at christmas it's the youth yeah and to be directed by a professional as to how to acquire <laughs> yeah. drugs absolutely yeah. it's funny when you um when you sum up that story in one part, it's actually quite short, isn't it? Like if you were play- to play all of his bits in one bit, yeah, very short. You know what? And yeah, I'm glad you said that actually, because after I looked at all the like summaries for each individual character, which mind you, like we ripped straight out of Wikipedia, made some oh, yeah. adjust- adjustments and updates and our own sort of notes and things like that. But um, regardless, yeah, like all the stories are quite short and brief yeah. like there's not a lot to them like no. certainly not like heaps of depth either and mind you considering that there's like fucking 50 <laughs> yeah. uh, there really is no room for any sort of like <laughs> yeah. deep you know development or anything like that so I wonder if in the writer's room it was just a matter of hey we've got all of these movies that are really bland <laughs> yeah which one do we want to make and they said you know what 
It's just fucking you condense them to their yeah. purest form. Yeah, <laughs> reduce. I thought <laughs> reduce. I think so. I think you're right. They've just sort of like thrown it into a KitchenAid, mm. and this script came out. Blend it together, baby. Yeah, uh, which I guess is you know if you're gonna write a rom com. Mm. Might as well just pack as many stories in there as you can. That's it. Uh, they all have the base, like the same caloric output. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. But yeah, so we start off with Billy Mack, and and uh, yeah, as I said, like you know, he's he's definitely the sort of the light, most amusing aspect of this movie, at least in my opinion. Anyway, I really enjoyed the Billy Mack storyline. But then we we also have uh, the love triangle. Well, it's not the love triangle. It is one of the love triangles in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, between Juliet, uh, which is Keira Knightley, mm-hmm. uh, Peter, um, played by, I'm definitely going to say this wrong, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. <laughs> I, I wish I could help Look, you. Yeah, you, I know exactly who he is. Yeah. I've just, I've never heard his name said out loud before. So I yeah. have no reference as to how to pronounce it. You're right. So, I, yeah, I know I'm in the same boat. Yeah. So if apologies to, to him. Yeah. If you're listening to this, my name is Matthew Hopkins. <laughs> you dog. <laughs> you dog. Um, and uh, so they're a couple. So Juliet and Peter are, are a couple. They're, they're getting married. We open up on them. Their marriage. Mm-hmm. They're married. Marriage day. <laughs> yeah. Wedding day. Oh, yeah, you could call it that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Marriage day work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, Peter's best friend, Mark, played by Andrew Lincoln, um, is the best man. And, and, you know, they're, they sort of established that like, they're really close mates. Um, Peter is really like in love with Juliet. The wedding ceremony goes all according to plan. Everything's fine. And then as they're, they turn around in the church and are about to leave, all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, surprise, uh, choir appears on the, the top level of the church, um, they all menacingly point at the bride and groom. Yeah, it's like a terrifying, like, like you almost expect them to hiss. Like, <laughs> yeah, it really, it's creepy. Yeah. Even in the context of what's happening, like it's not even like, oh, I saw that like in a store window without sound, and it looked terrifying. <laughs> like we were watching and paying attention to this movie, and I was like, it's yeah. weird as shit. Yeah, horrible. Um, but this is all, of course, uh, set up by Mark, the best friend and, sure. and best man, uh-huh. uh, on Peter's behalf. And uh, you know, as the choir menacingly point at the bride and groom, we then have, I like, you know, various instruments, uh, musicians, and, and stuff in the crowd who were somehow just sitting in the in the crowd with yeah. like, you know, an entire brass section and an <laughs> electric guitar hooked up I'm to something. Very glad that you pointed that out because I <laughs> thought to myself after that scene. What what was she thinking that time? Like, who are these people? Because there was a lot of them, and they seem to have taken up a lot of space within the church, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, did, does she just have a lot of musical friends? Maybe. Well, look, I, like I can forgive the bride and groom not noticing. Sure. Like yeah. the groom is, you know, shitting kittens. Like he's about to get married. He's probably nervous and excited and hasn't paid attention to anyone in the crowd. Kira is out the back. Like she hasn't even come into the place yet. She has mm. no idea he's there, and you know she's probably just looking forward and so that's fine okay all it's right. you've it's, convinced me yeah it's everyone else though i mean they're obviously probably in on it i yeah. guess but um I, I don't know there's a lot of yeah you know if you do what we're doing right now and pay too much attention to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know this thread uh oh you could find any around. any old weird uh thing you know <laughs> yeah you... i just like every, every time i've seen this movie and the um the guys who like the brass instruments stand up um, I can't help but just wish that um, it was like a real big fish. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the beer song. <laughs> yeah, just standing up, just busting yeah. out a bit of scar. Yeah, you know, yeah. And- <laughs> you gotta have myself a beer. <laughs> and I the want- choir pointing and like yeah. saying that, that would be quite yeah. nice. Fucking sign me yeah. up. Bring scar back, baby. Yeah. You yeah. need a scar revival. <laughs> Never had to knock on. What a song. What a oh, fucking tune. That w- yeah. The song. Yeah. The scar song. Oh, yeah. Even though it you know came a long time after Scar was. Well, <laughs> yeah. anyway, we digress. So, yeah, very yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We're back to the love. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, anyway, they get married. They're all fine. Um, but anyway, Mark actually uh, is in love with Juliet. It's yeah. like it's a hidden love. It's mm-hmm. it's secret. It's forbidden. <laughs> forbidden. Yeah. Um. Uh. So obviously he's in a bit of a bind there because you know it's his best mate. Um. Uh, we sort of learned that um throughout their relationship, Mark is actually known for being quite cold towards Juliet. Uh-huh. Um. She can't figure out why. Um. And uh, it should also be noted that Mark is a. I guess like an artist of some sort. I'm not sure if they specifically say yeah. what sort of artist he is. But I yeah, I, I assume he's either an artist or like a um, like a curator. curator? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> Surprising. Oh my of, goodness! Yeah. That was uh, terrifying. <laughs> Even like the intonation was on point. Yeah, mm. <laughs> we've been spending too much time together. <laughs> um, but yeah, and this is sort of where it initially comes out to um, to Juliet that she starts to clue on a bit mm. here. So she contacts. Uh, Mark asking for like video of the wedding because of some I can't remember what the reason was something happened and they didn't have the original it turned blue or something she's like it's all blue and wobbly was her words I don't know what that means technical jargon blue and wobbly I've never seen a corrupted video turn blue and wobbly but it's like a VHS as well isn't it yeah okay I guess maybe it's um oh I'm just saying if she'd seen Event Horizon (laughs) she's run it through a few filters (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I don't know what's wrong with her, but yeah. anyway, the the answer seemed obvious. But um, <laughs> so she seeks out Mark in the hopes that like whatever he uh, was filming at the time, because he's filming them during. Um, we we see that he has a video camera when the surprise choir and musicians pop up. Um, so she's hoping that you know he's captured uh, the, I guess the rest of the wedding <laughs> at the reception. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that you know she just wants to sort of see herself and and just general bits of the wedding because I I. Not having ever been married myself, I assume it's sort of a bit of a blow. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, if, I get so that. You know, all right, her story checks out. Fine, yeah. no problem. <laughs> uh, she turns up uh, to the um, yeah to his art studio. It's a bit weird. It's sort of awkward. She, I, I can't remember how she, it happens, but she just picks up like a video or something like that and just chucks it in like a front-loaded television or something like that. And <laughs> it's front-loaded television. <laughs> no, she, she's like, um, oh, do you have, do you have the video? Do you have the video? And he, right. he keeps deflecting, saying like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know where I've put it. And then she That's goes up right. to like a, a the, where all these videos are and goes, oh, maybe it's this one labeled <laughs> Juliet's wedding. Ah. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I've probably taped over it. There's probably an episode of West Wing on there. <laughs> this is exactly what he said. Right. And then she just goes ahead and watches it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when she realizes that it's all all the footage is of her and like real creepy, like close up yeah. shots of her. Yeah. I wanted to mention, I uh, talk about that as well, actually, because uh, you're absolutely right. Like, it's not that she finds the video fairly easily, I guess, is, you know, a you know, very exact filing system gave it away. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, the actual footage is... It is stalkerish. It's creepy. Yeah. Like, it's its all extreme close-up. Yep. Um, like, her face fills the entire frame almost... 
the entire time. It it's did. already cut up and edited into just this long uh, Juliet like compilation. To me, like it, it reminded me a lot of um, the guy who videotapes stuff in American Beauty. Yeah, she was his plastic bag. <laughs> yeah, an updraft. Wow, fully. Yeah, that's um spooky, Sp- spooky. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, as you said, uh, he he uh, eventually sort of comes. He sort of semi comes clean, um, and he's like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm weird to you out of self preservation. Yeah. Um, she's sort of like just in a bit of shock. Uh. Mark then just sort of like leaves. He's dressed like a member from Oasis. He like has a <laughs> bit of a breakdown in the street. Yeah, it scares some poor old man. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I want to. Why was he not more part of the story? Yeah. His life has changed after. I that. hope he's okay. <laughs> Sincerely, hundred percent has shat his person <laughs> yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. Um. Bit scary, but anyway. So um. Uh, it's okay, you know. Uh, he's, you know, he's sort of like, oh, what do I do? So on Christmas Eve, Juliet answers the uh, the doorbell, um, and there's Mark holding a boombox, mm-hmm. uh, some large cards with big font on yes. them. Peter, who's somewhere in the back of the house, we can't, we don't can't see Peter, but he's just sort of like, who is that? And then he has uh, Mark has a sign saying like, tell tell him it's carolers. Yeah. Which is just like I don't know. So that's what the boombox is for. He starts playing carols so quietly that I can barely hear it um, on the like on the TV when they when they play it. Peter seems to be like, he's like, all right, cool. Um, tells him to fuck off, but she doesn't. Uh, he then through like these cards, basically just is like, I love you. Yeah. Um, shows her a picture of like a corpse. <laughs> yeah. And then leaves. He does. He does do that. Yeah. Gives a really nice double thumbs up. At the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the, uh, the card showing, which I thought was a nice touch. The, definitely the most romantic gesture. Yeah. The double thumbs up. Yeah. Mm. Look, it's a bit weird that whole thing. Um, I know that it's like a really iconic scene. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird sentiment to me. But well, hey, I knew the scene bef- like when it was like a meme. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. I saw the movie. Yeah. And so, and maybe it was because of this, but like I always associated it with like oh it must be this like you know this really lovely uh heartfelt sort of moment you know where this guy professes his love for whatever reason on enormous like cue cards um and then when i watched it for the first time i was like oh this is horrible yeah this is no good yeah he's just written it down on cue cards so there's no like text message like paper trail (laughs) um yeah so anyway um but that's sort of like uh, well, oh, that's right. Sorry, he leaves after after the cards thing. Yeah, and then Juliet runs after him and gives him like a, a kiss. Yeah, and then she goes back inside. Yeah, um, and then he says, "Enough, enough now." <laughs> it's like a serial killer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's but like that's sort of the end of their yeah journey. It's very strange. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's odd. Very weird. Yeah, I don't like. I don't care for it. Yeah, bring back Billy Mac. I say. Yeah. 100%. Um. So yeah, so that happens. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next love triangle, <laughs> Jamie played by Colin Firth mm-hmm. and oh, Aurelia. Aurelia, yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yep, we're using that. Uh, played by Lucia Moniz. Again, hundred percent probably got that wrong as well. <laughs> very, very um, sorry. I'm just gonna stop saying people's names out loud. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so Jamie uh, is a um, an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to go to a wedding. His his uh, girlfriend is like sick, and she's like, "Oh, I can't go." And you know, she's 
Um, she stays in bed and, and shoes him off to the wedding. But then he comes back home and his brother is there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Looking it's, real sus. Yeah, he seems a bit... Uh, things are urgent. Like, you know... Well, not urgent, but like there is like... There's there's a sense that something's like a foot. Yeah. 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 Um, and then anyway, in no uncertain terms, um, Jamie's girlfriend calls out for his... Calls out for Jamie's brother. Yeah. From the bedroom... Uh, she says that she's naked and, and just ready to plow. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Thus exposing their tryst. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, in such a situation, Jamie has no choice but to retreat to his French cottage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, where he meets uh, Portuguese housekeeper Aurelia, mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't speak a lick of English. Nope. Jamie doesn't speak a lick of Portuguese. Uh, what an original old couple. Oh, yeah. Hey? What a setup here! Just a classic. Oh, so yeah, because they, yeah, they they spend most of the movie at the start like communicating via charades. Um, there's like a very funny scene where he's writing out on a patio, uh, you know, sorry, in a pagola, um, on a typewriter, like it's the fucking twenties yeah. or something like that. <laughs> um, and the only like it's a and mind it's a windy day. Oh yeah, and he's just got like a paperweight or something on like a significant stack of paper. Yeah. Half like, the book, he says. Half the book? Yeah. And there's this guy like, uh, I don't know, what's he writing? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I don't think it's going to be very good. Well, yeah, I hope not because... I um, wouldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here so, first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make a powerful statement. No, well, like, yeah, I mean, and fair enough. Yeah. Even Jamie himself admits to like the quality of the writing. Yeah. It's, yeah, no yeah. good. But um, uh, yeah, we don't need to worry about it though because his only copy... <laughs> is destroyed when uh, Aurelia comes with like I don't know some tea or something like that uh, for whatever reason lifts the, the whatever the weight is holding on the paper it was a coffee cup it was an empty oh, coffee oh it was yeah, a coffee cup yeah 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 so right. she lifted to replace it and then the, the pages just went whoop oh uh, okay yeah. well this is all on Jamie then yeah no yeah, it's his okay. own fault yeah, it's his yeah. fucking fault what an idiot so yeah, yeah the wind picks up at the moment that the coffee cup is lifted mm-hmm. like half the half book uh, like ends up in the lake right in front of him. To which, like, there is no second thought to like Aurelia just stripping down to her underwear and just diving into this lake. She's straight in there. Immediately in there, yeah. there's a weird sort of like camera shot of like scanning down her body. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I noticed that. I was like, this seems odd. Yeah, given they, the urgency of the situation, they definitely did that, and they did that with um. They did that with a lot of movies in that time, I feel. Like, they really accentuated, like, oh, you gotta be sexy. It's like, you know? it's, it's not the sexy thing that I object to. It's the, like, context. Sure, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, we're in a moment of urgency here. Like, the paper, I mean, like, the book's fucked anyway. Like, it's, it's in there. The, it, it belongs to the swamp now. Oh, yeah. But, like, the whole thing is, like, she's like, ah, oh, like, you know, you know, is freaking out in Portuguese and, like, runs down to the <laughs> wharf and just, like... Decides to go and get all the collect all the paper to which you know Colin Firth is objecting the entire time, being like, "Oh, you know, don't don't bother. It's it's yeah. horrible." Blah, <laughs> like, um, and very then, Hugh Grantish moment. It's mm. extremely Hugh yeah. Grant, but she like <laughs> she dives in all sexy and naked into the uh, pond that's uh, apparently infested with eels, and um, then we have like the bumbling idiot Jamie who just like falls in, <laughs> like, yeah, like he's never been around a body of water before, <laughs> um. And, you know, uh, they're collecting the paper and everything like that. 
they go back inside. They have this fucking awkward conversation where neither of them can understand what they're saying, but they're both sort of talking about the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Jamie fucks back off to um, the motherland. Um, <laughs> realizes that he's like fully in love with Aurelia. Starts learning Portuguese uh, in a sequence of like what seems like the shittest silent disco. Um, where it's a bunch of people sitting at a desk all facing the same direction with headphones on seeming like are they learning the same language it sounded like there was some different yeah can you not just fucking do that at home (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand that'd be the noisiest room for no reason oh imagine like if you had a question because there seems to be like a tutor or something walking around like and but every scene of him learning Portuguese is in a public place yeah it's in that weird room and then he's like on a escalator like with Christmas shopping, with headphones on, just like t- saying it out loud, like just the worst kind of very person, normal. But yeah, very annoying. <laughs> okay, so sorry, uh, uh, we're getting off track here. So Jamie, mm-hmm. uh, having learnt some very broken Portuguese, he goes back to France to find his Portuguese love, uh, finds her home where his her father is and other sister. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Where Aurelia's sister is. Yeah. So I guess it's just her sister. Uh, yeah. All right. You didn't have to put the other in there. I think what you meant to say <laughs> is it's the, yeah. the father's other daughter. That's what, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there we go. All right. And uh, he, you know, he, he says that he's looking for, mind you, he's, uh, Jamie shows up to this person's house to speak to the father. He's a total fucking stranger. Yeah. No, like the father doesn't know who he is. The daughter doesn't know who he is. Aurelia is the only person who knows who he is. And she's not there. Yeah. She's out at dinner somewhere or she's working. Yeah. Or, both maybe who knows and so he says so so just picture um colin firth knocks at your door he doesn't speak your language very well (laughs) he says i want to marry your daughter your other child is home who you then are like yeah cool go for it and then he's like no no the other one to which he's like oh she's at work let's all just go yeah like i'll just take you and then, like, the entire town <laughs> somehow joins in on this. They collect people like he's the fucking Pied Piper. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all saying stuff like, he's going to kill her. And they're like, cool. <laughs> what the fuck goes on in this town? Bizarre, like, but, like, uh, the other thing is, I mean, because I don't, I can't I speak any other language. Yeah. But it is, assumedly, Jamie is talking to the father in Portuguese. Mm. And I assume that the dad is talking back to him in Portuguese. But then everyone in the street seems to be talking the same language. So are they speaking French or Portuguese? And if so, is this just a huge Portuguese community in France? <laughs> I... Because then he goes to the restaurant in France. Is it in France though? Or did he go did he go to Portugal? Oh, I thought he went back to France. Yeah, he returns to France to find her. Oh. Mind you, this is a paragraph from Wikipedia. Yeah, fuck, that's hectic. <laughs> I have I I hadn't thought of that. I had not even considered that. I well yeah, I think yeah, the problem is I just like Maybe maybe there was like a glaring like statement where he just says like I'm going to Portugal, but we just didn't hear it for whatever reason. But yeah, just one of the things we missed this time around. Yeah, like I just auto completed the sequence, being like he's gone back to France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's gone into this French restaurant where his Portuguese like girlfriend or lover, like love interest, like is working. He then speaks to her and the entire restaurant in Portuguese, where everyone understands. Yeah, I um seems like maybe we've missed something here. I'm starting to think that we're in the wrong. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We have to do another. Viewing. I just assume he went to Portugal. Makes more sense if he goes to Portugal. 
Oh, but no, because when when he was getting in the cab, I think the cab said Marcel, Marcel, like the the French. Marcel? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the taxi said that on it. So it must have been in France. Yeah, we're putting our foot down. We're right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, either way. Well, weird shit. It's funnier this way, at least. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. Um, he, uh, he, uh, proposes to her in very broken Portuguese in front of the restaurant. She replies yes in, um, surprisingly good English. Yeah. Then everyone kisses Colin Firth on the mouth. <laughs> Literally. Pre-COVID. Yeah. And they're all good. Yeah. So that one, that, that goes pretty well. It's a nice one. Yeah. It's a nice one. Um, I think. so that's a nice story. Yeah. yeah. That one goes pretty well. Aside from the whole like affair and things like that, but you know, he's, you know, it's, it's fine. He has yeah. a French cottage and he's learning a new language. So that's nice. <laughs> he's, he's done well for himself. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Arguably the saddest story mm. of love, actually. Yeah. Uh, Harry or uh-huh. Alan Rickman. Yeah. It's my yeah. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Uh, Karen, played by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, and Mia. Oh, come on with these names. Mia, played by Heike... McCutch? <laughs> Never heard of her. We're going. I know, I, but it, like it's the same. Like I know exactly who she is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've seen her in plenty of things. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. I'm the one who sounds like a damn fool in this episode. That's <laughs> right. Um. So, okay. Yeah. So this one, this one hurts. This one hits, pulls the, the heartstrings. It do, yeah. You got uh, Harry, who's uh, he's a big director at some design agency or something like that. He's got an assistant, uh, Mia, who's um, like, you know, Significantly younger than Alan Rickman, but like she's sort of like the you know the conniving, sexy uh, like assistant who's yeah. like attracted to Alan Rickman, or at least just I don't know what her intentions are really. See, this was my thing as well. I'm like, does she think that Alan Rickman's hot and wants to fuck Alan Rickman, a man who always looks like he's received the worst news? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> like he's always sounds fucking so disappointed. I just I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't see her being like, yeah, that's sexy. Maybe it's his nonchalance about everything because he's Maybe. so monotone. <laughs> there is a certain charm to it. Yeah. Or I, I think, I think, and you mentioned this before as well, that she might just be like using it for career leverage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that she, makes more sense to me. It could be that. Yeah. But yeah, it's not really made known explicitly. Totally. What her angle is there. Yeah. And it's only because she's sort of viewed as like, you know the eve like the she's sort of like the villain of yeah. the film right and so anytime there's a villain i just assume that there's like some sort of angle she's trying to get something out of sure, it yeah. but it could purely just be like she wants to fuck <laughs> uh alan is down and you know the, so the stars have just sort of aligned in that regards yeah um so unfortunately uh karen is the victim of this you know office tryst uh-huh. um which you know, basically, uh, there's some signals and hints throughout the movie that, like, uh, something's going on and Emma is, like, suspicious of stuff. Uh, sorry, Karen, I should say, is suspicious of some things, like, quietly suspicious of some stuff. Uh, and it all culminates when they go to, when they go Christmas shopping together uh-huh. uh, at lunchtime and um, Karen goes off to do something quickly or buy something or do something, whatever's going on there. Uh, and Harry goes up to buy a nice necklace for Mia, uh-huh. his assistant, uh, which is sort of uh, thwarted and ham- hampered by uh, Rowan Atkinson's character, yeah. Rufus. 
Yeah, Rowan um, Atkinson, Christmas Angel. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny you said Christmas Angel, but we'll come back to that yeah. uh, momentarily. But basically, uh, they get home uh, from shopping and uh, Karen finds the present in uh, Harry's jacket. Uh-huh. Um, opens it up and sees that it's like a necklace, and she's like, "Oh, this is very lovely." Because you know, pre- it's she previously just received things like scarves and whatever, like all that sort of stuff. Anyway, before their children, uh, they go to their children's play at the school where uh, the children are playing the first lobsters at the nativity scene. Yeah, there's a lot of weird shit going on in that scene, and Man, I want to be, I want to go to that play. I would love to go to that play. Yeah, that a, play should be a movie. There's a Spider-Man with a crown. <laughs> yeah, rightly so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a an enormous whale with a fish skeleton on its lip. Yeah, that was fun. What a what a time. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So they're going to go to the the kids play, uh, and they decide to all just open up one present before they go. So um, she uh, picks. Uh, sorry, Karen picks the present that she thought is was the necklace, but opens it up to find there's actually a CD. Um, and you know the implicate like everyone sort of is aware like she's figured it out. Mm. The necklace is for Mia. There's things going on with like Harry and Mia. She's understandably extremely upset by this and mm. like, you know, excuses herself to the bedroom uh, where, yeah, she just, it's really sort of heart-wrenching this scene. She just sort of, she's listening to the CD and then just, just you know, tears streaming mm. down her face. And then, you know, somehow manages to just pull herself together yeah. and goes out and plays the happy mother and, yeah. and goes through the show and... Um. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty awful stuff. But totally. um, I recent. I can't remember how I accidentally came across this either. But um, there was an article recently, uh, which I don't think it's you know new knowledge, but uh, it came up in the news cycle again because it's Christmas. Uh, Emma Thompson sort of like had a real life experience version of that. Where her, is that right? Yeah. Wow. So she. Uh, there was like some quote to the effect of like you know she was so used to crying in the bedroom and then having to like pull herself together and look cheery and stuff like that wow. in public. Um, she was married to actor Keith, uh, Keith Kenneth Brenner at one point. Right. Um, who then had an affair with Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which she found out about and then, yeah, was obviously completely devastated. Good grief. Uh, and, yeah, as I understand it, she sort of drew on that whole experience for that particular scene, which is probably why it feels so fucking horribly real like, yeah yeah fuck she does do like a really good job doesn't she oh like, man of, that, of, of playing that role yeah oh no she's excellent 100 yeah. percent. but yeah it, it really is the sort of like definitely like the sort of heaviest moment uh mm. in, in the film it, it should also be said that uh karen uh her brother is actually none other than british prime minister hugh grant yeah yeah what a brother to have yeah, yeah. right yeah um so that was that's sort of like a interesting little uh, like relationship there because they bump into each other at the uh, the kids um, school play. Uh-huh. But basically, you know, she's obviously quite heartbroken and things like that. Um, but effectively, like after she confronts Harry about like you know he's you know being unfaithful and things like that, uh, their story sort of ends with them just sort of like persevering for the kids i guess like yeah i don't know it doesn't really explicitly say but like he shows up at the airport Mm. and it's like welcome home part of me like thinks that maybe they got a divorce and he's coming to to see the kids oh because there's a bit of bitterness there Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, there's another part that's like maybe they are still together and he was just away on a work trip. Because he like they do give each other like a kiss, yeah. to, like in front of the kids, like yeah. it's a uh, you know, we're so happy to see you sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bit. Um, yeah, don't know, don't know. Poor Emma Thompson, she yeah. deserves a happy ending. She does. Um, but anyway, so that yeah, that's that's that really um, is some full on stuff there. But um, the next story uh, going on from Karen, uh-huh. her character. Is to do with uh, David. David. Prime Minister David. Prime Minister David, the yeah. man. Uh, Hugh Grant, of course. And that of uh, Natalie, played by Martine McCutcheon, who is... Uh, so So David has just been sort of like recently elected uh, Prime Minister. Yep. He shows up to number 10. Seemingly uh, youngish, sprightly Prime Minister. Real chirpy and just sort of, you know... I don't know. There's like an element of like every man about him, but he's also just very not politician-y at all. Yeah, no. Um, and he comes in and he greets people and meets the staff and things like that. And Natalie is one of uh, one of the uh, house household staff, I guess, of, of 10 Downing Street. But uh, they sort of have like a very awkward initial first co- uh, contact, first contact, uh, initial <laughs> meeting where she, uh, she swears in front of them. And then like, you know, there's like a very funny thing there. And then, you know, you get to hear Hugh Grant swear back, which is always a treat. Um, and uh, basically, you follow this like story of Hugh Grant's Prime Minister David behave like the most like idealistic politician ever. Yeah, to just hold a, a hero. A everyone real just, hero. Yeah, like yeah. everyone loves him. It's yeah. sort of like your best mate has just like gotten a promotion at work. Yeah, um, yeah. And like everyone's pumped to see him. He's sort of a bit cheeky and funny and a bit awkward and strange yeah. as well. And apparently like it has some sort of sex appeal because Natalie's all about it. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he digs Natalie as well, but he's trying to keep the whole, like yeah. um, being no, a professional couldn't person. Possibly less, couldn't possibly let it show. That, yeah. That's right. Yeah. A real English gentleman. Yeah. There's a, a showdown when uh, us pre- president, Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> yeah. shows up. Um, a real and, sleaze bag. Yeah. And, and boy is, is he ever, he's, mm. he sleazes all over Natalie. Oh yeah. Um, quite, uh, quite unbecoming if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, Hugh Grant stands up, yeah. uh, to Billy Bob, uh, a press conference where he mentions star, uh, you know, he mentions David Beckham's feet and uh, some other things. And for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason, like everyone's all of a sudden, like all of Britain is united behind him because he stands up to the big bully yeah. uh, that is the United States. But effectively, like uh, David eventually uh, realizes that he's like, yeah, he has feelings for her. She obviously has feelings for him via a Christmas card that she sends him. Um, he decides at one point as well, uh, to just go dancing throughout 10 Downing Street. Yeah. Still in a high from the press conference, I would assume. Pro- yeah. You're probably yeah. right. Yeah. He's just sort of, yeah, he's, he's pumped from that and he's decided to dance all over the house. Yeah. Uh, to the radio that is upstairs in the bedroom where it starts. <laughs> yes. I was going to bring that up because <laughs> when he gets caught by one of his like staff, <laughs> The, the music just stops completely. Mm. It was like, what? You were just dancing around to nothing. Yeah. Or like that fucking lunatic. All that radio was like phenomenally loud. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, that, there's a, like, you know, that's sort of like one of the iconic scenes in this film as well. Pretty amusing, <laughs> as you can tell from my delivery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, uh, we get to the point where he, uh, David wants to find Natalie. It's like Christmas. Is it Christmas Eve at this point? Whenever the, the, the kids play at the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I Nat- assume it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. 
I think so. Yeah. Christmas Eve sounds nice. Yeah. He decides that he simply must see Natalie and, and mm-hmm. profess his true feelings for her. Um, so he calls a, a, a car um, to pick him up and they go to where she lives. Oh, sorry. They go to the street where she yeah, lives. Yeah, because he only knows the street for some reason, but couldn't possibly look up. <laughs> His employee's fucking address. Oh man, yeah. He's got like people like wait like at his you know they're gonna adhere to his every beck and call. Yeah. And he's just like, All right, I for some reason have memorized like half of the first line of her personnel file and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah. And I couldn't possibly find out the rest of her address. We simply must go knock on every fucking door in that street. Yeah. yeah. Also, like just fucking call her. Yeah, like, yeah. It's 2000 and, and something, right? Like, it's not like... I don't think this is a... a 2003. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, with production and such, I'll give you 2001. Sure. And I think it's pretty generous. Absolutely. I think cell phones were around then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they were all using the Nokias. You see them. You see yeah. them in the movie. Uh, yeah. Bloody outrageous. Yeah, those fucking ringtones. This is hands down the most appalling flaw in this film. <laughs> Easily. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so he, uh, he does what anyone would do in this situation when you only know the street. He starts knocking on every single door mm-hmm. uh, in the hopes of finding uh, Natalie. Um, there's you know some amusing interactions there with some people. But it, again, fucking everybody loves him. Oh, yeah. Uh, except for the evil Mia. Right? She says something and he's just like, ah, you know, politics and just fucks off. Yeah. But um, yeah, otherwise everyone else is like, they, they revere him. Like they find him. Uh, and then he, when he finds Natalie's place... And there's like 30 people in like the smallest <laughs> corridor. Um, like Natalie's parents treat him like some sort of king, you know? Yeah. They're just like, they refer to him as sir. And, uh, you know, well, I guess that's not that crazy. But like, it's the manner in which they sort of speak to him. Like they are just a bunch of plebs and yeah. they're honored to be in his presence, you know? Like maybe there's a difference between the way Australians treat their politicians. And no, like surely the not. Like, imagine if Boris Johnson turned up to your door. Oh, Jesus. Like, you'd just be devastated, wouldn't you? <laughs> Is he accompanied by circus music? <laughs> <laughs> you'd fucking hope so. Otherwise, you'd have a meltdown. Yes. I mean, if Boris turned up to my door, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? I like to think that he, he, like, he wouldn't just arrive and knock on the door. He would, like... Set up some sort of like flying fox and just crash through your living room window or something like that. He'd trip over your doormat and be like through through your fucking drywall. Oh shit, sorry. Wouldn't offer to fix it. No, no, he'd do like an upper decker and then he'd leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah, that's the Uh. Boris Johnson that I know. (laughs) That's that's the one that we've we've grown to love. Okay. That's who we elected to office. Uh, but anyway, so he finds her, uh, Natalie's home and mm-hmm. her entire family, including a, a child with spectacularly spiked hair. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, if, if if someone, like, went to a barber and they were like, what do you want? And they said, all right, here's a picture of Pinhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, give, like do the, the follicle equivalent of that. Yeah. Like, that's what this guy it. looks like. Yeah. 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 But anyway, she uh, they uh, end up... Um, Sorry, David ends up joining uh, the family and going to the, the school yeah. play, uh, which is where he runs into his sister, Karen. Uh-huh. But uh, basically, they sneak off backstage to watch backstage for some reason, which I've kind of forgotten. But Well, he didn't Yeah, he didn't want to be seen because he's a politician. Because right. you know. he's so beloved as well. You know, he wouldn't be able to... He doesn't want the attention on himself. No. Oh, what a couldn't general. possibly take the attention away from... The could, ch- couldn't possibly. The children. The children. Could, that's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. They are the future, uh, apparently. <laughs> but... Um, Future, future registered voters. <laughs> yeah, but right. um, 
they, uh, you know, um, in an attempt to sort of be discreet, they actually get busted uh, when the curtain pulls back after the final performance at the school play. Yep. And they're like neck deep in each other's mouths, just oh, yeah. making out, just macking on. Yeah, um, big time. Uh, but, you know, he keeps his cool. Yeah. They give it a little wave. Smile, they wave. Just, they just walk away. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. nothing ever comes of that incident ever again. No. No scandal. No nothing. <laughs> not, not a single photo was taken that night. <laughs> nothing was being recorded. Um, Unreal. The, yeah, the artist, he used up all his tape filming extreme close-ups of Kira Knightley's face. He couldn't... <laughs> he was out. Couldn't possibly. It's a damn shame. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so sorry. So after the play, um, uh, what happens to them after that? So they watch the show backstage. They kiss. Um, but basically, that's sort of like... They just... They're like, yeah, we're in a relationship now. That's we're it. cool. Yeah. Um, I this is one thing that do, does bug me about their story though, is that at the end when like there's the big uh, and there's a whole thing on just like that final scene where yeah. everyone's somehow on the same flight and they're all coming out of <laughs> yeah. arrivals at the same time. Yeah. But fucking Prime Minister Hugh Grant comes out of the plebs arrivals yeah. gate. You wouldn't say that. With like, to no fanfare either. Like yeah. there's no like mayhem or like paparazzi or anything like that. He just sort of walks out. He's like, ah, like long flight. Just, and like, it's fine. He just leaves. Very sparse security as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I refuse to believe that he's like arrived after an, a premium economy trip <laughs> on British Airways. It's gone through customs and like declared like a bunch of fireworks and like you know dried fish or something like that. Not a fucking chance. Um, but anyway, I guess that's the one slip up in there. That's the only slip up in yeah, that story. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but like you know, Hugh Grant. I I, I think when we were talking about it before, like uh, Kristen was with us, and she doesn't like Hugh Grant's character. I believe she said she doesn't care for him. Really? Did she say that? She did say that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which I was surprised by because I like. The Hugh Grant character—it's completely ridiculous and and fictional. Yeah, but I don't know there's something funny about it. Oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'd call him one of my favorites of the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely one of the favorites. Not um, my favorite. Oh yeah. Who is the favorite? Have we already covered the favorite? No, no, we haven't covered the favorite. Oh, yet. it could be in the next one then. Maybe it's probably not though. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah. All right. So the next story um, is between Daniel, Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. that is a good one, but not my favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe the one... In, I think I might know which one you're talking about, yeah. which I, I think is... Um, is uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so many stories. Yeah. All right. We'll try it's going to be a long one, folks. We'll speed, we'll speed this up. All right. Mm. So, Daniel, uh, played by Liam Neeson, his son, Sam, who is Thomas Brody's sangster. What a name. Uh, Joanna, Olivia Olsen, and Carol, Claudia Schiffer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one... Um, one interesting point that I would like to bring up mm. about um, Kira Knightley, yep. who was 18 when this movie was filmed, uh. and um, Sangster yeah. was 13. Right. So there's five years difference between them. That's weird. Isn't that strange? It seems odd. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Like, there's nothing really that unsettling no. about that, but for some reason, it just, that doesn't seem like a big enough gap. No, it's, it's just, it's, because he looks so young and she looks so, like, in her 20s, you know? Yeah. I think that's what it is. Anyway, uh, just a point I'd like to raise. Well, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that... No. Okay. Well, now that's it. I'm just going to be dwelling <laughs> on that for the rest of this episode. Um, but uh, basically, uh, you know, this story starts out uh, absolute laugh riot. So, Daniel's wife has just died. Um, Hilarious. Uh, yeah. Talk <laughs> about my sides. Oh, my God. Um, 
But uh, he's he's good friends with Karen, so Emma Thompson's character, right? They mourn the, the death of the wife, but he's... Uh, sorry, Sam is actually his stepson, so he's the stepdad to, to Sam. Yeah. Um, and he's sort of, you know, trying to pick up his life and trying to move forward because he's, you know, he's obviously... Aside from losing the love of his life, he's also now in this position where he needs to be the sole parent to um, to this boy. So things sort of, you know, it's a bit slow at start. Uh, sorry, it's a bit tricky at the beginning, but he's, you know, he seems to do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a pretty cool dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Slim Neeson, I mean, how can he not be? Yeah, dude was in Taken. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, his, his, his stepson, Sam, who's a very confident uh, young fellow, uh, he's fallen in love with his uh, American classmate, Joanna. Um, and he, you know, tells uh, he tells his stepdad about this and decides that the best way to get her attention is to learn the drums. Yep. Uh, to impress her because she's a singer. And he's going to learn the drums to play in the school, like, end of year, uh, after the play. There's like a little, she yeah. does a song. He's going to get her attention by basically like showing off the, you know, he's a musician as well and he can play the drums in and the uh, get her attention. And uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is, you know, seems like a great idea. I, I would never discourage anyone from learning a musical instrument uh, anyway. So, totally. um, yeah, we go through these sequences of like Liam Neeson covering his ears as his son plays like the drums in his room. But frankly, like it's fine. He's not yeah. playing terribly. He's no. just learning. Totally. Like it could be a lot worse as Fuck someone who cannot play the drums himself. Yeah. No, <laughs> I likewise. You. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like the, he, he picks it up pretty fast. Uh, I would say a little too fast because in the space of three weeks, uh, he goes from never touching a drum kit to being able to play uh, the drums pretty proficiently in front of like a huge auditorium full of parents. Yeah. um, And like nails it. Kills it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So so this kid is obviously some sort of just drum like prodigy or something like that. Drum savant. The Bobby Fisher of drums. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, he fails to make an impression on, on Joanna, uh, but she's American. She's going back to America for, I don't know, a period of time or forever or something. I assume it's for Christmas. Christmas? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That checks out. And so afterwards he's like, oh no, I didn't get to, to do anything. And Liam Neeson's like, ah, oh, come on. Like you, you gotta, you gotta do it. It's like, you know, I don't know what that accent that was, but like <laughs> I just had to distinguish myself from Liam Neeson. Um, and he's like, you know, eggs him on to go and like, let's chase after her and, and follow her to the airport. <laughs> yeah. Um, which. Creepy. Yeah. It's it kind of odd. And like, it's just a bit too much. It is. If, and also if she's just going for Christmas, it's yeah. cool, man. Just like, wait. She'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. Just play the drums a bit more. Yeah. 100%. Um, but anyway, as they're about to do like leave to go to the airport, they bump into Claudia Schiffer, um, which is referenced at the start, mind you, in the eulogy he gives at his wife's. Uh, funeral where she's um, uh, she apparently made a joke that you know he has to bring Claudia Schiffer to the as to his the partner funeral. to the funeral. Yeah. Um, does she play Claudia Schiffer in the movie? No, she doesn't. No, she Carol. She, Carol, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then like you know, then there's a quick role reversal where like Sam is egging on Daniel to be like you know tell her how you feel, yeah. and they have like a brief encounter, and it's like it's you're basically just in a very short period of time. It's implied that like. Oh, like I like you, and that she likes him, and he's like, I want to see you again, and she's like, I'll make sure you see me again, <laughs> yeah. and then they race off to chase a small girl through the airport. <laughs> yeah. When you put it like that, very strange, right? Yeah, pretty odd, right? Yeah. 
Um, and and you know they make, they get to the airport. Uh, he because Daniel offhandedly says, "I know a shortcut." Yeah, but uh, I mean airports aren't exactly small. But whatever, they figure <laughs> out where she is. Uh, Rowan Atkinson shows up again. Yeah, Christmas um, Angel. Christmas Angel. He's got bags and gloves and, and coats and stuff, and uh, which allows young Sam to sneak through like the security checkpoints. He gets chased by all manner of customs and border. Patrol and that sort of stuff. Who have a fucking terrible time catching a small child. Oh, man. Their legs are like double the size of theirs. Shockingly He's... difficult time. Yeah, like it's... And like the, the number of people chasing him as well. Like every, yeah. Uh, anyway, so they eventually get him and they just like, you know, they sort of bring him back and they're like, ah, you little... And then they <laughs> ruffle his hair and he's fine. Um, but he tells her that he likes her and then she comes back from like both customs and security... To tap him on the shoulder, unlike uh, by herself, mm. like not accompanied by an adult, and like is like, yeah, I like you too, and it's like, all right, cool. So they're all good. So that little love story, like I guess, yeah, works out. Sure, kind of cute. Then we, oh my god, then we've got, um, well, man, one of the like another one of the saddest <laughs> stories in the film, which is Sarah, who's Laura Linney, mm. Carl, uh, played by Rodrigo Santoro, and uh, Sarah's brother Michael, played by Michael Fitzgerald. Um, Sarah is, uh, uh, I believe, the only American in the film, I think. Um, but she's moved, her and her brother uh, have moved to, uh, from America to England. She works for Harry, yeah. the design agency. Um, she has a huge crush on um, Carl, oh. who's like the uh, creative director or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, and eventually it all comes out. Everyone knows that they like she likes him, yeah. including Carl. Uh, and, you know, we, we sort of like meet uh, Sarah as she's being told that everybody knows. So yeah. just fucking do something about it. Yeah. So she does. Um, she, you know, they hook up at the Christmas party. They go back to her place. Um, and it's at this point, just as they're like getting sort of, you know, uh, intimate that, uh, we find out that, uh, Sarah's brother, Michael is actually in a, uh, I guess like a, like a, a psych- psychiatric sort yeah. of facility or some sort of mental health like yeah. facility, you know, basically like her, she's like the sole carer for him. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it, you know, it takes its toll on her life, uh, in sort of every regard, which is, it's all quite sad and everything like that, but um, you know, it's, it's kind of nice at the end when she goes in to see him and yeah. um, they share like a Christmas scarf and he gives her a hug and things like that. So that that all works out nicely, but there is like flashes of like the relationship is sort of strained because totally. of like yeah. the toll is taking on her and he can be quite violent and anyway, that all comes out to be you know it sort of seems I guess as nice as it could be. Yeah, uh, it's it's a shame that like she doesn't get to like things don't work out with her and Carl though. It's just yeah. sort of like oh she has to answer the phone a few times and Carl's just like I'm out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it does seem like that. Like fucking and then like when he's um when he's like there's a there's a bit where it shows him leaving the office and it's like bye Merry Christmas and she's like Merry Christmas like dude just. Like, it's not that big a fucking deal. Just let yeah. him fucking answer the phone every now and then. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I agree. That is dumb. Yeah. What a it, dog. It's one thing that annoys me. But, like, I think it's because it's set it up, like, mm. you know, maybe this is going to come back full circle again and, yeah. like, it's going to work out. And then it just doesn't. And it's like, oh. Yeah. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> um, fuck Carl. F- yeah, <laughs> fuck to Carl, man. Yeah. Um, all right. 
So we've now got, and um, tell me if we've gotten to your like favorite character yet. But we've got Colin played oh, by Chris Marshall. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I thought this might be it. The fucking English sex pest <laughs> who decides that oh, maybe I just need to go to America to get laid. Oh man, he what? Uh, uh, yeah. So there's, there's, I feel like this there's a, the most one pack here. Well, not even the most one pack. There's just a lot to be said. Totally. Mostly through the the format of rant. Mm. But um, yeah, Colin, uh, Tony uh, is Abdul uh, Salas, and then the American girls. Yeah. Because uh, there's several of them. Uh, um, and basically, Colin is yeah, as you said, just some sort of like sex pest who seems to just like try hitting on women with quick cheesy one-liners as a as a fucking um caterer yeah, uh, yeah at like weddings and so forth and then he tells his friend tony that he plans to go to america because all english women are like stuck up or some shit uh and the solution is yeah go to america get fuck returns like victorious <laughs> like get fuck that seems to be the plan uh, as far as we can see I, <laughs> the worst part of this for me is that it works out perfectly for him yeah like what the fuck? It's hilarious. Like on one hand, I'm like, okay, this is like it's it's funny because you everyone expects yeah. it to just kind of fall on its ass. Yeah, yeah, but it just goes so unbelievably well, too well. Yeah, like so much better than even he was thinking it was <laughs> yeah. going to go. And, and like, yeah, you're right. Like it is like a nice. It's like it's the Billy Mac yeah. sort of sti- like yeah. thing again, right? It's yeah. just like the sex pest equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, he's like you know. I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I'm certainly not one to talk, but like, I wouldn't say he's the most attractive bloke going around. No. Um, but he, he goes to America and runs into three, like arguably very beautiful women, uh-huh. including a young January Jones, which mm-hmm. like freaked me out because I was like, she looks way too young in this film. Yeah. Only because I've seen her in like Mad Men. Totally. And I don't know why, but I, there was some sort of disconnect in my brain that I was like, no, no, no. She always looks like she looks like in Mad Men. <laughs> she can't deviate from that. Yeah, what the hell's going that's, that's, on? Yeah, that's who I've defined her as in my brain. But yeah, so there's like, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, uh, Alicia Cuthbert mm-hmm. is one of them as well. Uh, and then Ivana Milicevic, who I actually don't know, but she's the third like uh, blonde girl, the three blondes that he meets at like yeah. the first bar that he goes to. Yeah. Uh, after providing the instructions to the taxi driver to take him to just the most like sort of American bar of like nearby or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, these women seem to be like slavishly helpless to his whatever fucking appeal he has. Like they're just like, oh, you're from overseas. And he's like, yeah. And they're just like, they turn to soup. Yeah. And they, they're sitting at like a table just getting him to say stuff because it sounds funny in his accents being English. Um, even though like, I, I don't know, the words they make him say are like, these are all just regular words yeah, or like, like bowl. No, yeah, <laughs> like, table, like obviously table's the one where they're like, ah, oh, yeah. it's the same, but like straw, yeah. <laughs> like there's other things that you, there's literally other different words for the yeah. same thing. Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm di- I digress. <laughs> um, but this has really worked you up. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I feel like there was a, such opportunity for other funny words to have been said <laughs> no, and, they, right. and they go with straw <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway he basically like um, he, he basically goes back to their play the girls invite him back to their place where for whatever reason these three uh, you know attractive blonde girls who all live together but don't have much money 
live and sleep in one small bed together with their fourth roommate, who is not there at the bar, but that turns out to be Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, which just sort of completes the whole, like, Colin is the American Pie storyline of this movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, there's no... There's not even, like, any sort of attempt to provide a challenge or, like, any sort of complication or hurdle for him to, like, overcome and grow. Like, he's just the same guy from beginning to end yeah. and somehow it works out as best as it possibly could. He's just he's just the comic relief. He like, is. him and Billy Mack are the comic relief, I feel. But at least Billy Mack has some sort of progression, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sort of, there's, a, there's some growth there and he realizes yeah. that, like, his manager is actually his best friend. He loves him, you yeah. know, like, they're mates. Collins, Collins, the court jester. He's there for a laugh and that's it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, it's great. It's yeah. very funny and, and like I, I understand anything like that. But when you watch it and like as like with a lot of the stuff that we do, like uh, the movies that we watch, when you pay attention like this, you're like, hang on a second. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nothing's actually happening here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so like things work out arguably for Colin the best out of all the characters. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the next um, and second last, well... It's like, yeah, second last story. Because there's another one that is like, it's super quick. Uh, this movie just keeps going. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is, it was an absolute nightmare to try to keep track of what's going on. Totally. But um, we've got John, who's Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. and Judy, who's Joanna Page. And they are uh, professional stand-ins for, for movies. Uh, and they seem to be filming a lot of sex scenes for whatever movie it is. And they basically stand in so they can get all the lighting and everything right yeah. for the, when the actors come in. Um, so they spend most of the film like simulating sex naked on each other, um, which they're very comfortable with and it's all perfectly like above board and things like that. But then uh, John sort of works up the courage to ask Judy out on an actual date, which is, you know, she agrees to, which is great. Um, they, they, you know, they're very sweet, this sort of couple. Yeah, it's just something, it's real cute. Something, yeah, there's something nice about it. Um, but, you know, it's when that like when they're actually fully clothed on a date that like, they're both a bit sort of awkward yeah, and, and yeah. nervous and shy and things like that and a bit tentative with each other. But it all works out. It's very cute. Um, but basically, like, the main appeal with them is firstly just Martin Freeman because who doesn't like Martin Freeman? He's great. But I think the main shtick with them is, like, they're just naked and pretending to, to do fuck all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, like, they get clothed. They then, like, go on a date. And then they basically go and get married. Yeah, yeah, by the end of the film, yeah. That was that's yeah. pretty much them. Yeah. yeah, that all works out. Adorable. Uh and then the uh last, I guess like story, but it doesn't like it's sort of like a you know point five. It's not a full one story. Yeah. It's just like a is Rufus, Rowan Atkinson. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Which uh as we've mentioned before, there's like rumors and stuff that uh he's like an angel Christmas uh, angel. Christmas angel yeah. who comes and tries to like save love and, and and you know, nudge characters in the right direction and things like that. But um, allegedly, um, it really was written into the script that he was meant to be a Christmas angel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, but wow. That, that distinction was like dropped from the final script. There you go. But Shit. frankly, like he he is. Yeah. Really, like aside yeah. from someone explicitly like looking at the camera saying Rufus is a Christmas angel, <laughs> like everything yeah. else suggests that yeah he's some sort of. Um, I guess like external for greater sure. force, yeah, uh, yeah, for the film. Um, and yeah, he, you know, he's he's uh, most notably um the the jewelry salesman who's like taking his sweet ass time with like the the necklace for Harry. It is, but the work of a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very good. I mean, yeah. it's Rowan Atkinson. Honestly, he could have like just stared at the camera and just yeah. 
exhaled really slowly and I would it, have been in a tank. Sorry, I just remember. It wasn't um it wasn't Hugh Grant, Kristen Hates. It's um Rowan Atkinson. Really? She fucking despises Mr. Bean. Because it makes her like it's it's that uncomfortable humor, right? And it just makes her feel so uncomfortable. So by association, oh. she just fucking hates Rowan Atkinson. Oh, I'm so upset by that. Yeah, I yeah. love Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, no, me too. We're gonna have to have some sort of like yeah. intervention Any, with her. Aren't yeah, we? yeah, a intervention. Bean intervention? Oh, I'm not proud. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take uh, it. Sorry, um, continue. No, that's that's quite all right. I mean, I, I guess the the only other thing was just sort of like that final um, uh, airport scene where like. Seemingly all the characters are, yeah, as I said, like on that last flight and everyone comes in. But I think we, we sort of covered most of them, really. Like everyone comes back uh, from the, wherever the fuck it was that they were all, all went. Yeah. Um, and uh, including the Prime Minister all on the same flight or coming out of the like the regular plebs exit. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess sort of you could kind of say that it on average... It all works out pretty well, somewhat well. It's a fairly happy Christmas, I guess, yeah. but to varying degrees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's a it's a rich tapestry, you know. I think the most interesting thing I learned um, from some very, very, very light research and research really is too strong for what I what I did really <laughs> as well. But um, I actually can't even remember where where I found it now. But uh, apparently, love actually features twenty seven turtlenecks. Is that right? Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot of turtlenecks. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I, I found it like in uh, an article. I think it was a review. Uh, and someone linked to a, a Twitter uh, post of like a video where they just put a compilation together of all the turtlenecks in Love Actually. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, that's out People there People have somewhere. a lot of time on their hands for these things, you know? I, <laughs> but, um, well, as we've just discussed, I guess there's like, there's not that much depth to all the stories. Yeah, so like, true. you might as well pick up on something interesting that's going on in the background there. But um, right. yeah, that's something to sort of, you know, keep in mind at the next pub trivia. Yeah. Well, I mean, you always got to keep something in the back pocket, don't you? You do. <laughs> Um, I don't have any other things that I wanted to bring up about this movie. Usually I have a few tidbits, but I've covered them all. Well, yeah, I, I did too. And I think just because of just how long it is, like yeah, it's yeah. just, it's not that, yeah, yeah, it's not that there's a lot going on. It's just that there is a lot happening at yeah, the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very fucking crowded movie in terms of content. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, all right. Let's do some, let's do some sequels then. Yeah. Look, I, I was about to say, I'm actually, I'm pretty keen to, to hear what's going to come out of this because yeah. this seems like the I don't know like the most sort of properish I get we've never done a rom-com before have we no no we haven't done one yet so no. this will be the first one yeah but yeah this uh, I don't, I have no idea what to expect out of this yeah no I don't yeah I mean well, I know what to expect out of my own from my own yeah 100% <laughs> yeah. but I yeah. I don't know I mean we wrote it and sat down and started recording so yeah no <laughs> who totally. knows how this is going to go um do, do you want to Oh, uh, <laughs> what's going on tonight? Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. All right. All right. So, um, I I did want you to know that um, the first idea I had that never really went anywhere was um, Mr. Bean Christmas Angel. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't really think of anything that he could do rather than just going around being a fucking pest, but in a nice way. <laughs> Which is yeah. Mm. So um, I yep. just went. In a completely different direction, um, <laughs> and I've um, I've made a movie. It's like a Pixar animated, like a Pixar, um, like computer generated, yep. um, kind of adaptation for children. 
Oh. And it's called Glove, actually. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Um, it centers around a drawer full of gloves in a family's home. Uh, there are many pairs of gloves. Uh, they're all couples. But there are five odd gloves perpetually searching for their soulmate, their other half. Immediately batshit crazy element. <laughs> wow. I mean, we've come to expect this from me, haven't we? Yeah, no, it's great. Um, okay, so uh, there's, yeah, there's five gloves. The first glove, his name's Donald, voiced by Donald Glover. Glover. <laughs> <laughs> a shy but talented young fingerless glove who dreams of being owned by a famous guitarist. Oh my God. Because of the fingers, you know. Yeah, you know. of course, yeah. Um, there's Crispin Glover, <laughs> a dorky long glove who uh, wears glasses for some reason. You wouldn't think a glove needs a pair of glasses. I just thought it was a nice addition. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Glove Hewitt. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> A very pretty fancy glove uh, who wants to find her match and start a family. Uh, Courtney Glove, <laughs> Jennifer's yep. best friend who's just keen to party. Um, and Robert, a large, <laughs> thick snow glove from New York whose catchphrase is, Hey, I'm handing here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Uh, so uh, Christmas is generally a very happy time in the glove drawer. Um, the five singles usually are pretty sad, um, you know, being single and all that. Mm. While the couples dance, um, they hang out and smoke cigarettes and play dice with the loose keys at the back end of the drawer. <laughs> uh, Donald is sick of all this Groundhog Day Christmas and he wants to find his partner. Knows that, you know, she's out there somewhere. Yeah. Robert agrees, but hey, the whole world, there's, you know, the whole world is this draw, baby. You know, in his New York accent. Um, he says, uh, as like, as he says that the draw opens, which is a normal occurrence, but, um, and they all have to like play dead, like Toy Story. Right. You know, like, yep. you know, they can't know that they're alive, like that old nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, Donald is plucked from the rest mm. of the gloves and everyone's like, what the hell? And he's panicking. Like, why am I chosen? I've, I've, I'm the, I'm a one glove. <laughs> like, why the fuck would I be chosen? I'm never chosen. Mm. Um, he's then applied to the hand of the unnamed teenage son of the family as the final touch of his rocker outfit for the Christmas dress-up party. <laughs> um, so Donald sees this whole world beyond the drawer and he's amazed. Oh, shit. Right. Fuck, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy out there. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, after the party, the teenage son chucks all his shit on the floor with a glove with it. And then when the coast is clear, Donald has to try and find his way back to the drawer um, but you know, he does this whole house like he doesn't know his way around or anything. Mm. Anyway, as he's looking around, he's approached by a gang of crusty old socks from under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> they smell real bad, and it's kind of implied that they're like jizz socks. Of course, yeah. Um, being a family friendly friendly movie, it's a, jo- a, a joke for the adults. Ah, you know? yes, like yeah. one of those. Um, so they push him around a little bit, but he manages to escape and like hide under a chest of drawers. There he meets a long glove that looks exactly like Crispin. So, like, it's obviously his partner. Ah. Uh, The glove is accompanied by a shy, uh, shrunken T-shirt and a wisecracking, sarcastic pair of old underpants named Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Donald tells them about the glove drawer and Crispin um, and that the other, um, you know, that this other glove belongs there with him. And, you know, she's obviously like super excited and agrees on one condition that her friends can come with her. So the t-shirt and Gary. Right. 
Um, so they all go on an adventure through various rooms of the house, meeting new clothing items along the way. There's Sean Beanie, uh, <laughs> Lunch Pack Nicholson, Martin Shorts, oh my <laughs> and an Ice Cube named Ice Cube. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then they get to the laundry. It's a horrible, crowded place where clothes are tortured and they scream loudly. Awful. Oh my God. Um, after a brief chase scene with the family dog, they take refuge under the washing machine. Here they meet three more single gloves, ones that exactly match those in the drawer ah. of his single friends. Donald tells them all about the drawer. They rejoice. Uh, finally, they'll all be in glove. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so the rest of the crew that they met along the way agree to help them reach the draw, mm. um, but are interrupted by the sock gang. Uh, they have a fight. They fight it out. Yep. Uh, and when it seems like the socks are winning, the washing machine bursts and water flows under the machine. Because the socks are like 50% dried jizz, <laughs> the water turns them into like heavy, gluggy messes. <laughs> they can't <laughs> they can't move. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, they win the fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone cheers. And the team use the socks to make a big, long sock rope up to the drawer. They climb up. Up to the drawer? Yeah. The drawer's drawers up. It's like, you know, the top drawer or whatever. Yep, yep. Sorry, I'm picking the wrong hole in this. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, there's holes. Don't get me wrong. Not just in the socks. Hey! Hey! Um, So they get up there. The the gloves are delighted to see their friend. They cheer. Um, Crispin is stoked with his beautiful partner and then like her undies and t-shirt companions are like oh okay well I guess we'll go then but they're invited to stay and it's a real nice moment Aww. yeah um, they make friends with like the, the loose keys at the back of the drawer and all the other bits <laughs> right. and pieces um, and then yeah the rest of the gloves are matched up and they have a massive party um, and then um, you know everyone's dancing and having a good time and then the movie ends with Elton John's Can You Feel the Glove Tonight? End <laughs> <laughs> credits. Oh, man. Yeah. Well done. Thank you very much. What an unexpected direction. Yeah. You know what? When I, when I come up with these ideas, it's always just like, <laughs> it's just something stupid. And I'm like, what rhymes with love? Glove. All right. Well, let's go with that. <laughs> Inside the artist's mind. <laughs> And then usually the thing just comes together as I'm writing it, which is why I laugh to myself when I'm doing it. Like a fucking idiot. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like there was one missed opportunity, though, for Donald Glover's dad. Danny Glover? Yes. Yeah, I did did think about it. Uh, His long-lost father glove, who was a a golf glove. (laughs) Oh, shit. He raised him as a single father because he only had one golf glove. Oh, fuck. Oh, Oh, now I'm angry at myself. It's a real missed opportunity. Oh. Yeah. How do we come up with this weird shit? Um, okay, well done. You've set the bar high. Yeah. I um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So from glove actually to... Uh, so my, <laughs> my idea was to um, create an Ozploitation sequel that follows the stories of love in Australia at Christmas. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I called mine, yeah, nah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, sensational. And I, uh, I basically <laughs> just took the templates of love actually, which is, you know, it follows 
several seemingly unrelated uh, groups of people mm-hmm. and their quest for love. Um, and, you know, some of them sort of overlap and intersect and so forth. So I, uh, you know, being an Ozploitation uh, take, I obviously had to uh, look take a look back on um, some of Australia's greatest sort of achievements and celebrities and, and things like that. As you do. So I'm, I've split it up by the uh, by the love stories as per our description of um, Love Actually. Oh, great. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go through each individual like... Oh, amazing. Yeah, great. Character. So the first one is The Pop Star. Okay. Aging pop star Shannon Knoll... <laughs> yeah. ...is recording a Christmas version of Dance Monkey. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> he tours the RSL club circuit and receives free schnitties from the bistro. <laughs> as lavish as his lifestyle is, though, Shannon yearns for a deeper connection. More specifically, someone to share his schnitties with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so during a set one night, he picks out a beautiful audience member for an a cappella version of his hit Christmas single cover of Dance Monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman is much younger than him and has a surprisingly amazing voice. And the other reason she's much younger than him is because a lot of the reviews I read about Love Actually were people yeah. pointing out how all the women were significantly younger than the male yeah. counterparts. a little creepy. Um, so she gets up on stage, she sings uh, an a cappella version of Dance Monkey with uh, Shannon Knoll. She has an amazing voice, just because that seems to be the way things work out in films. <laughs> um, they connect over a schnitty after the show. Lovely. So that's the first one. The second one, The Playboy. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Universally acknowledged Australian heartthrob and sex symbol, Toadfish Rebecca <laughs> Toady. Toady lives a hedonistic life. Every night is spent with a new woman, involves partying, gambling, drinks, drugs, and chaos. Love it. Uh, but Toady wants more, you know? Um, and he finds that when he lands a deal to become the spokesperson for Menulog, <laughs> he earns a huge payday from the deal and takes his hedonistic lifestyle to the next level. That's it. Great. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so I love that. That's Toadie. Yeah. Uh, the single dad. Uh, man, I feel like I should have reread these before he started doing it. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. The single dad. Uh, you know, this is the Liam Neeson uh, sure. storyline. Yeah. So it's tough being a parent, Matt. Yeah. You know? Uh, but it's tougher being a single parent. Of course. Um, after him and his wife split up, party boy Corey Worthington <laughs> must raise his young son, <laughs> Rudiger. <laughs> The, tr- uh, the trouble is, Rudiger doesn't like to party like his dear old dad. <laughs> um, the two struggle to bond, with Rudiger preferring book learning and museums to large sunglasses and house parties. <laughs> but through the unbreakable bond between father and son, Corey learns that life is not always about the next house party. Sometimes the party comes from within. <laughs> Rudiger, his son, begins to teach his father about history and the arts, and they bond and have a lovely Christmas. Beautiful. Yeah. Isn't that a Lovely. sweet little story there? Yeah. Things worked out for Corey. They did. Finally. Finally, yeah. <laughs> um, the next story. The Australian Prime Minister. Andy, the Australian <laughs> Prime Minister. <laughs> that everybody loves. Of course. Yeah. Is very funny and charming, but hopelessly single due to the demands of his job. Uh, he meets a young female staffer, Shazza. <laughs> who catches his eye and we sense that sparks will soon fly between the two. After a taxpayer-funded day out at the cricket sinking tins, Andy, the Australian Prime Minister, 
returns to Kirribilli House for a Crocodile Dundee marathon. Thinking he's alone, he gets changed while listening to the radio. I think you could probably tell what's going to happen here. Yeah. Right? Midnight Oil comes on the radio, Ooh. and Australian Prime Minister, Andy, <laughs> begins to do Peter Garrett dancing around the house. Fuck yeah. But he's caught by Shazza, <laughs> uh, who is present to take care of the house or something. She's there. Uh, they have an awkward encounter, and then Andy invites Shazza to watch Crocodile Dundee with him. <laughs> Thinking they've hit it off, Shazza comes into work the next day with the intention of professing her love to the Australian Prime Minister, Andy. <laughs> Only to find that Andy has unexpectedly gone on holidays to Hawaii and his true love, <laughs> a lump of coal. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> and then uh, the final scene, as uh-huh. per the, you know, Ella, the uh, airport scene in Love Actually, mm-hmm. uh, everyone bar Australian Prime Minister Andy <laughs> attends the local pub for their annual Christmas drink and to watch the test cricket. Yeah. Um, suddenly... KO stops working because it's a god-awful app that does that sometimes. <laughs> the night is saved, however, when none other than Kerry O'Keefe takes the stage and commentates the cricket to everyone in the pub by streaming the game on his phone and relaying it to the crowd. Christmas is saved. <laughs> what a legend. Yeah. You can always count on Big Kez. And we, uh, yeah, we just have credits to a loop of Kerry O'Keefe's laughter. <laughs> Oh, fucking sign me up. Yeah. Subscribed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice one. Yeah, I love thanks. that. Yeah. yeah. Two different takes, but uh, I, I dare say equally uh, batshit crazy. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So crazy. So, so crazy. <laughs> I think that's going to become our thing now. <laughs> I think so. So crazy. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that was great. Good yeah. times. Uh, a Christmas special. A Christmas miracle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for listening. If, you know, you're listening, that's... <laughs> Well, I mean, you are, if, if I'm saying this. If you haven't just, if the cat hasn't walked over your keyboard and <laughs> yeah. just started playing this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, <laughs> for starters. Um, and uh, we have a Facebook, we have a Facebook group now that you should definitely join. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, get amongst the action. Come and heckle us or whatever. Uh, join in the fun. It's just, you just search the Motion Picture Podcast. You'll find it um, very easy <laughs> to find. On Facebook. Yeah, get amongst it. Yeah, yeah, do it. Um, pitch your own sequels and all that jazz. Um, other than that, we'll see you next time. Yeah, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.